Welcome to this Walnut Wednesday edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In addition to our special Walnut Wednesday report, we'll bring you a look at national and regional agricultural news here on the show today. And I'll start things off with a look at regional agricultural news right after this. Sponsored by the California Walnut Board and Commission. Supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together. The California Department of Food and Agriculture Fertilizer Research and Education Program is announcing just over $653,000 in grant funding for three projects to advance California growers' understanding and implementation of improved nitrogen and irrigation management practices. This funding is a result of the 2022 cycle of the Competitive FREP Grant Program. A summary of the funded projects includes developing tools and information on irrigated, and nitrogen best management practices in California's low desert lettuce production systems, the role of irrigation management for improving nitrogen use efficiency for broccoli grown with nitrate contaminated irrigation water, development of precision yield monitor for almonds and pistachios, and the development of a precision yield monitor for almonds and pistachios. With the significant amount of rain and flooding that the state of California has received recently, the question comes up as to why more of that water cannot be stored. To put it into perspective, it is not that easy. Andrew Fisher, a hydrogeologist at UC Santa Cruz, explains why in an article in Ars Technica. It's called How California Could Save Up Its Rain to Ease Future Droughts. In the first place, initial runoffs are often contaminated. Contamination is usually septic system overflows. The water would have to be treated, according to Fisher. And even so, why can't this water be used for non-humans, such as golf courses? He says because it would have to be handled differently from the potable water in the main systems, requiring a completely different series of conduits. Fisher believes that a better option is to use this excess for a groundwater recharge, something that the state's agriculture industry desperately needs. He says the idea is to siphon off some of that runoff and divert it to infiltration basins, occupying a few acres where the water can pool and percolate into the ground. That might be on agriculture land or open space with the right soil conditions, according to Fisher in his article. He and his colleagues are trying this approach in the Bajaro Valley, which is an important agricultural region near Salinas. He says one program in the Bajaro Valley encourages landowners to participate in recharge projects by giving them a rebate on the fee they pay for water use through a recharge net metering mechanism. This approach, he says, is promising, providing they can find people who are willing to inundate their land and can secure water rights. He continues that in addition, not every part of the landscape is prepared to take that water. You could inundate 1,000 acres on a ranch and a lot of it might stay flooded for days or weeks. Depending on how quickly that water soaks in, some crops will be okay, but other crops could be harmed. There are also concerns about creating habitat that encourages pests or risk to food safety. The Pajaro Valley is a good site for such a project because there is heavy runoff from the adjoining hills. On a larger scale, again, it's not simple. Agriculture is concentrated in the southern and central parts of the state's Great Central Valley, but much of the water is in the north. Groundwater recharge, even in the wettest years, would require massive water transfer projects of the sort for which the state government has shown very little appetite in recent decades, he says. And he stresses that even a current deluge does not in itself solve California's longstanding drought, although it is a help. In fact, even one wet year will not entirely eradicate years of constant drought. 
Following the ample rainstorm, supplies of lettuce could be short again this spring. The biggest challenge is currently working around the atmospheric river of rain that they've been receiving in California. They've had some plantings in Salinas as a result, so the most recent storm may have a significant impact on April-May supply, according to Dan Holt, vice president of sales for Hitchcock Farms. Right now, supplies of lettuce, including Hitchcock's recently introduced iceberg babies, which are sold in a two-count wrap, are coming from Yuma, Arizona. Supply remain in iceberg is improving as more product is becoming available in Yuma, he says. Last year around this time, supply was adequate, if not abundant. Supplies have improved over the past few weeks, though cold temperatures from mid-December have continued to affect yields. Western growers join the California Fresh Fruit Association and the Colorado Fruit and Vegetable Growers Association to send a letter to Lena Kahn, chair of the Federal Trade Commission, opposing a merger between Kroger and Albertsons. With a merger of this size, Western growers recognizes the importance of combining voices to advocate for shippers and family farmers to protect negotiation leverage and profit margins. The long-term success of farmers who grow specialty crops is contingent upon increasing retail opportunities, not limiting them. If Kroger and Albertsons are allowed to move forward with this merger, the space for competitive negotiation currently allowed by growers will be greatly reduced. The consequences of a merger between Kroger and Albertsons for growers, shippers, and consumers is foreseeable. It is the hope that a galvanized voice against this proposed action will inspire Khan and the FTC to reject this deal. That according to the Western Growers. Bee Hero is the leading almond pollination provider. We deliver measurable and verifiable pollination outcomes for almond growers and turn a previously unquantified fingers crossed gamble into a controllable expenditure. For the first time, growers can know exactly what they are getting for their money during pollination. Bee Hero accurately evaluates your bee's pollination contribution in real time and gives you unprecedented visibility into the progress of bloom. Don't leave pollination to chance. Be sure, be precise, be hero. Call Charlie Phillips, VP of Sales at 559-467-9699. Be hero, superior bees, superior pollination. Another month means another regulatory update for walnuts, which are seeing many opportunities for incentives and other programs. Ironically, in a month filled with rain, drought relief incentives are at the top of the list for walnut growers. California Walnut Commission's Director of Technical and Regulatory Affairs, Josh Ram, has details. Given the start of a new calendar year, there's a number of new programs being rolled out for agricultural producers and businesses across the state. First, I wanted to provide an update on a couple of those incentive programs uh, and resources available for drought relief for walnut growers and other small agricultural businesses. The first one of those programs is the LandFlex program. This is the the Department of Water Resources, or DWR, has recently released draft guidelines for LandFlex, which will basically distribute $25 dollars in block grants to local government agencies who then would offer those grants to growers in critically drafted or overdrafted basins and near vulnerable drinking water wells limited to agricultural water use. The DWR expects to begin accepting applications from mid-January until early February and will be seeking to execute contracts in March or April of 2023, 
Now, a couple things, just a heads up before this program gets going. There are some grower requirements and a few eligibility requirements for growers receiving funding. And basically, to be eligible, a farmer must have proof of farmed acreage, generate less than or equal to $2.5 million in annual adjusted gross income, a lease on hand if applicable, and agree to follow their land through the current water year, which would end on September 30th of 2023. Farmers are not eligible to enroll greater than 25% of their total acreage at a time. Those small farms may enroll in 40 acres, regardless of their percentage related to the total acreage. Farmers also may not receive greater than $2.5 million in awarded funds, Farmers must also provide the local average estimates of ET or evaporation by crop as provided by the Groundwater Sustainability Agency or GSA and agree to permanently eliminate their groundwater pumping overdraft allocations above sustainable yield. So that's an eligibility outline, some incentive payment and grant award caps. There's really three important areas just want to touch on real quickly that um, are related to the incentive payments. So first and foremost is uh, domestic well drought relief, where $450 per acre foot of water kept in groundwater basin through the remainder of 2023 water year. That is one of the incentive payments. Secondly, the sustainable yield acceleration which is a one-time payment of $750 per acre foot of annual overdraft eliminated. Another piece of this is the all overdraft allocations associated with enrolled acreage during the 23 water year must be permanently eliminated, but a GSA determined sustainable yield allocation will remain unaffected. Last but not least, in the incentive payments and grant award caps, the transition to sustainability has been highlighted. This means more or less one-time land use transition payment that varies based on use of enrolled acreage, so row crop, forage, permanence, and a few other. Uh, removal and mulching of orchards, byproduct use for dairy feed replacement and cover cropping, or are more specific examples of eligible payments. Something, for instance, for row crop would be up to $250 an acre, and permanent orchard and vine removal would be up to $2,800 an acre. A lot to navigate through there, excited about that program, and as more information becomes available, there'll be updates. But for now, for more information on the LandFlex program, everyone can visit water.ca.gov slash LandFlex. Second program is another one to, to get a little bit of excitement about is the Small Ag Business Drought Relief Grant Program, and it has to deal with many of those who supply and provide service infrastructure to farmers and uh, experiencing the economic difficulties due to multiple years of, of drought that was occurring. Uh, these processors, service providers, haulers, and others are really managing through some challenging times, as mentioned. To assist those areas of impact, this program 
provide $75 million available for the small ag businesses, and the grants are up to $100,000. A new release website that provides details regarding the grants, including eligibility criteria, the ability to sign up to receive future program updates. In addition, the website will provide access to applications once they become available, which is anticipated in the first uh, month or two of 2023. So a window here, you know, based on the amount of loss and gross receipts or gross profit in 22 compared to the last normal year of planting in 2019, qualified businesses can receive grants of 60000 200,000 to offset those losses related to droughts. Who can apply for this program? The grant is open to dryers, mills, ag aircraft, ag suppliers, ag service providers, ag trucking, and additional information on the program can be found at www.agdroughtrelief.org. Switching gears a little bit on the energy efficiency and greenhouse gas emissions front, the California Energy Commission is currently soliciting applications for the Food Production Investment Program, or FPIP, which is a matching state grant helping implement energy efficient technologies to reduce greenhouse gas emissions while maintaining product quality and quantity and protecting California jobs. This FPIP, or Food Production Investment Program, incentivizes food producers to install advanced energy efficiency and renewable energy technologies and assist this important sector within the food supply chain and lowering greenhouse gases to help achieve California's carbon reduction goals. FPIP is, is furthering air quality improvements in areas where food processing is located, including a, a number of communities throughout the state. Food production costs, as, as we all know and our listeners know, are typically higher in California compared with other areas because the food processors, our food processors, are meeting some of the strongest environmental and labor standards as well as regulatory in the world. Given those costs, this program is going to help retain food production and jobs in California, which ultimately benefit the economy. So a couple areas in terms of deadline. The first round of deadline to submit applications is coming right up on January 25th, 2023, by, by the end of the day, uh, 11.59 p.m. And the second deadline to submit applications will be due on March 8th of 2023 by the end of the day. So a couple resources to, ex to access the solicitation manual, application form, and additional details. There's a, a great website and outline on energy.ca.gov, and you can type in Food Production Investment Program for more information there. USDA is also recognizing the benefits of climate smart farming and offering producers of the orchards financial incentives to produce climate smart ag commodities. At the end of 2022, 
the USDA wrapped up and announced the second round of science and commodity grants, which brought the collective funding total to just over $3.1 billion. I'm excited for the California walnut industry to share that a project partnered, supported, and a positive impact to the walnut industry was funded by the USDA. This project titled a multifaceted approach to incentivizing woody perennial growers to establish cover crops and orchards in four diverse regions of the United States. This project and through this project, producers with orchards will receive financial incentives and technical assistance to incorporate cover crops into their operation. Project partners plan to help market these climate smart fruits and nuts in areas that typically have less access to fresh food. About one third of the project participants would be smaller size operation and partners plan uh, to work to include minority owned orchards and much more. So very excited at, at the California Walnut Board and Commission. As I mentioned, there'll be four or five different states included, four regions, five different states, California, Washington, Oregon, Michigan, and Florida. It'll also touch on other fruits, vegetables, and specialty crops. And the approximate funding ceiling for the project that was awarded is $3.8 million. Early parts uh, in terms of next steps, but there's gonna be more details and next steps to come in the future months ahead and all producers and those of impact will be updated as that information comes. So in the meantime, certainly look forward to the continued industry collaboration and continuing to work towards providing climate smart innovations, incentives that add direct value for Californians and walnut growers and producers across the state. You're listening to My Ag Life. I'm Taylor Chalstrom. Sponsored by the California Walnut Board and Commission, supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together. House Republicans with huge Democratic support passed a ban on U.S. strategic petroleum reserve sales to China following a debate over President Joe Biden's energy policies. 113 Democrats joined 218 Republicans to pass the petroleum reserve China ban. Just 97 Democrats voted no. The naysayers led by New Jersey's Frank Pallone blamed Republicans for soaring energy prices now eased, plaguing everyone from commuters to farmers the last two years. Prior to 2015, when the Republicans lifted the ban on exports of crude oil, we had that ban in place for 40 years, 40 years. And then in 2015, they came in and they lifted the ban. So they caused this problem. And during the Trump administration, the amount of crude oil that was sold to China was unbelievable. Democrats argued the GOP bill failed to go after other adversaries like Iran and North Korea and would go nowhere in a Democratic-controlled Senate. But Republican leader Steve Scalise blamed the president for waging war against American energy. President Biden was okay with pipelines from Russia to Europe, but he said no on day one to a pipeline from Canada to America. So all of these actions had a cost. And Scalise slammed a stack full of Biden regulations on the table in front of him. 
Department of Energy went after American Energy. Department of Regula Energy Regulatory Commission. The Securities and Exchange Commission through woke policies going after American Energy. The Department of Agriculture, yes, went after American Energy in these rules and regs. The Council on Environmental Quality. The Department of State. That gets to the Keystone Pipeline. Adding EPA and the Departments of Justice and Interior, arguing depleting the Strategic Petroleum Reserve forced the president to plead with adversaries, including Saudi Arabia, to pump more oil. From 2015 to 2021, the median total household income for U.S. commercial U.S. farms rose an estimated 16% to $278,339 from $238,994. USA's Economic Research Service reports that in 2021, the median total household income for commercial farms remained above the median income of $75,201 for all U.S. households. Commercial farms are ones that earn more than $350,000 gross cash farm income regardless of the principal operator's occupation. Farm households rely on a combination of on-farm and off-farm sources of income. On-farm income is determined by farm costs and returns that vary from year to year, and in any given year, a majority of farm households report negative farm income. Off-farm sources, including wages, non-farm business earnings, dividends, and transfers are the main contributor to household income for most farm households. Because households operating commercial farms rely mostly on on-farm sources of income, they experience the largest shocks in household income when the farm sector income rises or falls. Overall, inflation declined in December, but food prices continue to rise. USA Ag News reporter Gary Crawford. A definite cooling off of inflation. That's what the latest Consumer Price Index report shows. The inflation rate for all goods and services in the general economy decreased in December by three-tenths of a percent. However, in contrast, food increased by 0.3 percent. Agriculture Department economist Matt McLaughlin, he says grocery store food prices last month were almost 12 percent higher than December of 2021, but the monthly rate of food price hikes has been getting smaller. But for this year, don't expect grocery prices to actually decline. In fact, we do expect food prices to continue to increase into uh, 2023. However, we expect that the rate of this increase will lie well below uh, the very rapid uh, food price increases we saw in 2022. A few foods are selling for less than a year ago already. Beef, for example, down by 3%. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And speaking of USDA, USDA's Foreign Agricultural Service is accepting applications from U.S. exporters for its first-ever regional agricultural trade mission to Amsterdam, Netherlands, April 17th through the 20th. FAS Administrator Daniel Whitley says participants will explore exporting opportunities in this mature market, which continues to grow and meet potential buyers in surrounding regional markets. U.S. agricultural and related exports, including fishery and forestry products to the Netherlands, total $3.4 billion dollars in 2021, ranking it the U.S.'s 10th largest market globally. During a trade mission, U.S. participants will meet with buyers from the Netherlands, Iceland, Norway, Sweden, Finnmark, Denmark, and neighboring Belgium and Germany. Participants will conduct business-to-business -business meetings with potential buyers, receive market briefings from FAS and trade experts, and participate in site visits and other networking activities while in the Netherlands. The deadline to apply for the Netherlands trade mission is Thursday, January 26th. For information about the trade mission and how to apply is available on the USDA FAS website.
Friday is the last day to take advantage of early bird discounts for the 2023 Commodity Classic. The event will take place March 9th through the 11th in Orlando, Florida. For more information on the agenda, registration, and housing, go to commodityclassic.com. Soil and Crop Incorporated is your number one resource for sustainable nutrition. Growers are faced with difficult challenges, and Soil and Crop Inc. has the experience, fertilizer, and biological portfolio to dramatically increase yield and performance in your troubled orchards and fields. Contact Soil and Crop Incorporated today for a free consultation on how we can help reverse the challenges you face as a conventional or organic grower so you can increase your bottom line and become a better sustainable farmer. Contact us today at 559-564-1236 or visit our website at www.callnrg.com. Soil and Crop, putting nature to work for you. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Nut Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. Thank you.